You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday. We had to put off starting this podcast because you were eating a late breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were you eating? Padre de Juan. <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, Papa John's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Padre de Juan? De Juan, yeah. You're eating cold pizza for breakfast? Yep, it's that kind of day, Kirk. I feel like that's most days for you. No, no, no. My, my breakfasts are pretty stable. Pretty much the only time I eat pizza is after a workout i mean for breakfast is if it's after a workout and i just don't i'm too hungry and i don't have time to sit down and make something i just cram pizza in my mouth so how often would you say you eat pizza for breakfast i don't know four or five times a week <laughs> uh once a week once a week all yeah. right see cold pizza and me just don't get along i don't enjoy it i'm one of those people that i enjoy many foods more when they're cold what else uh any sort of casserole. Ugh. Yeah, I like when it gets thick and gloppy and gelatinous. If my meal isn't burning the roof of my mouth, it's too cold. Yeah, a lot of people are like that. But chicken, I love cold chicken. Yuck. Sausage. Almost any meat, I love it cold. Yuck. I'll take a burger and I'll just plop it on a bun and eat it cold. You're freak bracken. You need more sauce, though, when it's cold. I, your GI issues are starting to make sense. I don't have GI oh. issues. <laughs> I, I had GI issues when I was doing DIY <laughs> pre-workout. I don't have GI issues. Okay, well, okay, we'll clarify. But you weren't, like, having a piece of cold hamburger and then taking your Jerry rig performally. Like, they were separate, right? No, and I think part of the problem was my Jerry rig performally was being taken on a mostly empty stomach. Ah, so you should have put pizza in there. Honestly, I'd be better off if I slammed a patty down my gullet <laughs> and housed some pre-workout. No, no, my stomach's good. And I've been gut training myself, Kirk. I've been eating a minor amount of breakfast and taking whatever I'm going to drink and being into my warm-up within an hour, every quality. Mm-hmm. Which for me, it's usually two and a half to three hours. I'm an hour guy. I That's my timing. I'm forcing myself to be. Hmm. I used to cram. I used to get side stitches so bad or just burp it up the whole time and it's improving. Yeah. I've always been that. I can eat anything and go for a run. I'm lucky that way. Um, Fueling. Speaking of fueling, there had to be a lot of fueling in a little event that happened this weekend. The 100K American record, the Hoka One One put on their own event with the Carbon X2 coming out. What do you think? That was seriously impressive to watch. It was brutal to watch heartbreaking and also inspiring from Wamsley at the same time, wasn't it? Yeah. So I posted the link on Instagram and got a lot of messages that people were already tuning in or were going to now. And so it was cool that a bunch of people tuned in and watched it. But for those who didn't, uh, Hoka sponsored an attempt for their athletes to go after the 100K world record. If we rewind about, what, nine months? No, mm-hmm. more than that, maybe 13 months. They did the first attempt at this and they went after the 50 mile record and the 100K record in the same race. And Jim Walmsley is their star ultra runner. And he ended up having to hammer the last 10K to get the 50 mile record and then just stumbled mm-hmm. in. His last, his final after, because you have to finish the intended distance if you want to get the acknowledged record for the shorter distance. Sure. So he hit the 50 mile world record barely. And then his next 10K took him 80 minutes because he walk around the rest of it. <laughs> Even the invincible. He stopped for like 10 minutes and then he walked, jogged, and then he ended up running six minute pace the last couple of miles because it's a freak. But this time he went solely after the 100K. Not to interrupt your story, um, but I just watched the Golden Trail series on YouTube. Did you watch what's out there? Uh, not there's, all of it, no. There's a, there's like an hour-long documentary free to watch on YouTube from the Golden Trail series. Then no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, 
And so anyway, so it outlines Wamsley was there. He ends up taking second overall in like the four day stage race, but it was super interesting to watch. Cause obviously we had Bailey Kowalczyk on recently and we were talking about it. So I looked it up and sure enough, they do a great job. Like it's a fantastic production. So everybody go watch the golden trail series from this last year. But, um, Walmsley is soon like he would get, he would get beat on sticky, technical, mm-hmm. gunky stuff that really was, you know, they were climbing over rocks and stuff. Really gnarly technical. Terrain. Really. I mean, the train is unbelievable, dude. This, this race, I have so much more respect after watching this documentary, but as soon as the later stages came and they let him run, it was Walmsley's show. And he went from fifth to fourth to third in the standings and just couldn't make up all the time. But point being is like, if you can, let Walmsley get into a rhythm, whether it's on a mountain trail that's like a fire road or flat. So I watched that firsthand just recently. So if you guys need something to watch while you're doing your next workout, go check out the Golden Trail series. Yes, yeah, it's, it's incredible, his range. And speaking of that, Chris Brown of Spartan's own community uh, took third overall. He was there as part of the team. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say as an afterthought because he's a legitimate force in the trail world, but he wasn't considered one of the favorites to do well there. Third, he took third. He took third, ran 625 pace for 62 miles. No big deal. Walmsley was what, 555, 557 pace? 557. Just under 56 point. <laughs> so I ran in the Carbon X. I have the Carbon X, but not the Carbon X 2. And I still feel like the verdict's out on it. I don't know if you own it or run in it. The X, not the X2. The X. It's stiff. Very. Like it's notably stiff. And I think I just need to, I only put one run in it, my 5k time trial I did a while back, but I, I can't quite tell if I'm in love with it or I'm not yet. What is your thought? I, I I go back and forth, but I would say it's one of those almost unicorn shoes where you put it on and it feels kind of, it's very stiff mm-hmm. and the ride is almost harsh, but I can do almost any run in it. I ran quarters in it at 65 seconds or under. I ran a tempo in it. And I've done easy in recovery days. I haven't done a long run yet, but it it kind of morphs and just feels okay to good at any pace I run in it. It's probably how I felt about it too. Yeah. So huh. you could own it and be relatively happy for everything, but there's not one pace in it where you're just going to be like, this feels like a magic shoe because it's not, there's no super foam in, the, in that, but it is, it's an all arounder. It's kind of crazy. I think... When through my, I do little or uh, less shoe experimenting than you do. But I think if I had to choose, I would choose super foam over carbon plate. I think I feel better in a super foam than a carbon. What do you think? It's tricky because the true super foam needs the stability of the plate. Sure. A, A lot of people talk about that the plate is a springboard and it's not because one edge of it is never anchored to the ground. So you can't possibly spring. It rocks you. Mm -hmm. The magic bouncy effect you feel is the foam. And so early versions of those super foam shoes were so mushy and Mm -hmm. unstable that you couldn't even use them. So the the plate was more so for rigidity and stability than anything else. Uh, But in between that almost super foam, like the hyperburst, that feels fantastic. That's what I'm talking about. That is a wonderful shoe. So that shoe now, that Razor 3, they now have the Razor 3 Elite which is that shoe, Kirk, with a lighter upper and a plate in the middle of it. Oh, is it? Okay. I'll have to give that one a try. It might be the best yeah. combo out there. Um, <laughs> we, we got off topic, could, but back to it. Yes. Kurt, uh, Chris Brown and Jim Walmsley both just ran really gutty races, as did the second place individual who, again, was not supposed mm-hmm. to do as well as he did. But Walmsley came through every lap for the first part of the race, 30 to 40 seconds ahead of world record pace. Mm -hmm. And he got to each lap was just under seven miles. I believe he got to the last lap, a minute 46, allegedly, unless their timing system was wrong ahead of pace. And one mile later, he was 50 seconds ahead of pace. So I think the timing system was a little off, but either Mm -hmm. way, he started leaking time at the end and he fought so hard. Watching him in that final stretch, you could just tell he was... Man, we talk about fighting for every stride sometimes. His whole last stride, his last seven miles, his last 10K, he fought for every stride. You could see it, and at times it would start to slip, and then he'd start churning again, and it was agonizing. He came up 11 seconds. After running for 62 miles, he missed the world record by 11 seconds. But he broke the U.S. record by 20-some minutes, so... I know. 
go that far. I mean, he's got to be proud. He's got to be happy. Hoka has to be super pumped with the performance. The event looked great. Yeah. Um, I believe Chris Brown was actually a bunch of those guys were more put in there as pacers than anything, right? He wasn't technically. He wasn't. I didn't he see wasn't. it play out, but were there a few pacers and then the, the pacers that dropped off either held on for dear life or dropped out? Yeah, because they wanted this to be record eligible, a, a rabbit has to start the race. Hmm. So they could only pace as long as they could hang. And by the nature of it, if your best guy is not a pacer, the pacer can't make it very far into the race. Right, right. But yeah, it's interesting. And and both those guys, Chris and, and Jim, have had really spectacular road results. Jim ran 215 at the Olympic trials. And uh, Chris Brown ran 418 in a mile two years ago on the road. Mm-hmm. And they've also done crazy long distance stuff. So really gritty performances. And those guys were destroyed afterwards. Walmsley was puking all over the place and just wobbly legged. It was, it was, it reminded me that not only are there levels to performance, there are levels to the mental game. Mm-hmm. Which we've talked about recently. Yes. Uh-huh. That all that pounding on cement, that, that firm reactive force, those guys, quads and hammies and, yeah. and hips are going to be just smoked. Um, let's go into today's topic, Bracken. Uh, Bracken and I were doing a lot of talking with, um, you know, putting workouts together for our running public training plan and doing a little brainstorming there. And then sort of, so what we did was we, we came up with like a list of our, our favorite workouts as we were rolling through the plan and deciding what we wanted to put in it. And we thought, what better than to give you simply an episode on our favorite workouts? We're giving you the goods. We've gotten into some heavier topics lately our interviews have been heavy on, mental issues, uh, physical ailments, eating disorders, body image issues, bad coaching, mm-hmm. calling out negative trends in the industry. We've had self-serving talk about our training plan that's now out <laughs> and available for only $19.99. It's been heavier. And this is just going to be a fun, lighthearted episode with some awesome workouts in there. We're not trying to sell you on anything. We just want to give you some knowledge, give you some workouts to put in your arsenal and be able to use one day. Yeah. That's simple. And we want to be clear on this, that these are not necessarily the best bang for your buck workouts. Some of these might have very little place in your progression. They're just the workouts we enjoy doing more than any other workouts we do. That's simple. That's simple. That's simple. Plug them in where you care to, or just add a few to your repertoire. Um, you know, I know if you're self-coached, which I'm believing most of you are that listen to this plan and my hats off or this, this podcast, my hats off to you. Um, you know, you can get stuck in your routines and your habits. Bracken and I are guilty of that with our own training styles at times. So I, I always appreciate when somebody just throws new workouts I've never done or thought of before at me and not saying what we're going to throw at you is super innovative today, but, um, I think change can be good and stagnancy, um, tends to happen in our sport, right? Yeah. So the more the more bullets you have in your gun, the more different ones you can fire off when it's time. So um, where do you want to start, Bracken? I actually want to slow it down and take it old school for a little bit. Ooh, actually, it'll be speeding down. it up. I want to go back to the track. Oh, that would be speeding it. Our favorite track real speed work back from our high school and college days. Working on top end, get it done, no messing around, speed work. Biking up lace up the spikes, get on the track and run yourself into oblivion type of workouts. Oh, I like that. All right, go ahead. Well, there's one workout that I enjoyed in college more than any other workout we ever did. And I can't say it was all that like hyper effective. We did it at the end of year, end of the season. So it was not a progression workout. I never compared it to other pieces. We do it once or twice a year, but we called it the acceleration workout. And we spiked up for this every time and we would start at the start line before the curve and coach would put out a a cone at the 100 meter mark and then every 10 meters all the way up to 200 or 300 meters depending on the day okay and you would have a time to hit everyone on the team had a specific time to hit through the first 100 meters and so it would be something like 15.8 or 16.2 seconds through the first 100 which is fast but is not fast for a group of 1800 uh of 800 meter runners Mm -hmm. Uh, 16 seconds would be 32 per 200 which would be 64 seconds per lap which is 416 mile pace which is fast but for one 100 meter dash 
for a group of people training for the 800 who are trying to run around one minute and 50 seconds, which would be, you know, three minutes and 40 second pace for the mile. That's 36 seconds slower than race pace. Anyways, I digress. So you go through and everyone would have it. And so you'd start one at a time and you'd run your pace. So even though you're kind of in a pack, like I was trying to run 16.2 and Kirk, you might be trying to run 15.9 through the 100. Yep. And A, it was crazy how accurate we could hit by that point of the year. And then you would turn, peel off to the right, and just slow jog back to the start. Jog back about five meters past to turn around and accelerate back into the line. And now you got to make it 110 meters and then 120 and then 130, mm-hmm. 140, 150, 10 more meters each time all the way up to your end point. But each 10 meters you had to complete with only 0.9 more seconds added to your time. Okay. Making sense. So if the first one was 16.2, you had to come through 110 in 17.3. 17, what? 17.1. 17.1. Correct. Good math. 17 <laughs> one and yep. then 18, uh, uh, 18 Oh, and yep. then 19, uh, what would that be? 18, nine. And anyways, because of that, it got faster. The pace required to hang on each rep as yep. the distance got longer. So you blow through the first one feeling like you're trying to throttle back and keep the horses under control. And every rep got harder. Where did it catch up to you? Always right around 150, 160, it started to get. And then yeah. once you couldn't hit your time, what happened? You're done. Then you're cut. Yeah. You remember in the college days? We usually, we usually got it. You got one freebie. If you missed it, you had to get back on for the next one. And if you missed two in a row, you were out. Guys were getting cut from workouts every day in college. Every yeah. day, somebody not. I mean, I forget about that whole theme of college. Like, you're not showing up today. Like, you need rest. You're not hitting your times. Pull. Two intervals in. Cut. Like that happened all the time. I forget about that days. It was like quality or nothing. If you weren't ready that day, take a rest, get ready for the next one. Did you guys do that too? Only on certain workouts Mm. where it was pace-based. If you couldn't hit your pace, there's no sense practicing form and, and, and velocity that you're not trying to hit during a race. Yeah. So this was 100 through 200 for 800 meters, 200 through 300 for milers. The acceleration workout. And I just dug that workout. I like that. Um, I got, I got two that bring me back to college here. Uh, and I still am actually going to implement one or both of these at some point in the next year. One is what we called the traditional. And the traditional was simple. It was a mile or a 1500 meter simulator. You run basically an 800 all out, minute rest, 400 meters all out, 30 seconds rest, 200 meters all out, 15 seconds rest, 100 meters all out. You accumulated your time, and that was a rough predictor, give or take two seconds of your 1500. First time I did the traditional, um, I accumulated three minutes. Nasty, by the way. It's horrible. 15 second rest after that is just brutal. A minute 30, 15. I I went 355, and I ended up running 356, 39 that year. So that workout predicted, if you wanted to predict your mile, instead you go 800 all out, minute rest, 400 all out, 30 seconds rest, 200, 30, 200, 30 seconds rest, 200. You just do a 200 on the end instead of the 100. Um, you wanna talk about hurting? It was terrifying. So that was a great one. Another one for stay power. Before you go into that, mm-hmm. there's a different type of hurting on the track. When we do OCR workouts or endurance workouts, sometimes we're beat up for a few days after, like your quads or your Achilles or something that your calves are smoked afterwards, but it's a physical, like muscular beatdown. After that type of workout, you're walking dead for three to four days where you can't, sometimes you're like, I don't even know how I'm gonna go to class today. Kind of true. It's like at a cellular level, at a nervous system level, you're just in survival mode. Mm-hmm. The other one we used to do, which I really like, and, I, and this is the one I think I'm going to implement in my training this year. Uh, in base phase of our 1500 prep, we would do thousand meter repeats, which is a really long rep for a 1500 meter runner. If you think it's almost the race distance, right? Which is a long rep. We would go through 800 meters at pace and our pace would be 220, which for us is 440 pace. That's nothing at that phase of training anyways. Mm-hmm. And then we would kick home for 200 meters. And we were hoping to run that last 200 and roughly like 30. So we would come through in 220 and then kick home in 30. We had two separate splits for that, the 800 and the 200. The whole time didn't even matter. So everybody came through in 200 and it was a sprint finish. We also would go in and out where we'd go 200 at 30 and then settle into 220 pace to simulate a high you know, starting pace. Um, 
I really loved that workout. Changing gears is important. Mm. Surging in races is important. So um, that's another one of my favorites. So we'd hit that and we'd have roughly like 90 seconds rest. Fantastic. Half mile at pace, kick home for 200 meters, hard as you can. And whatever that pace is for you should be roughly like even 5K pace. So 800 meters at 5K pace, which should be somewhat comfortable and then kick home. It's a fantastic interval setup. I like that. Mm-hmm. My last two pieces from college that I really enjoyed. First is it was the first time I ever did a progression workout that took me over the course of weeks. And it was, again, off season. It was fall work for track and spring. And we'd start with 30 by 200. And you had to run it at slower than mile pace. Okay. So it feels like you're dawdling because you're in a pack of 15 guys, you know, all running 32 to 34 seconds per 200. It felt like a cakewalk. But it's actually decently quick running and you get a good volume of work. You would just run the 200, turn and jog diagonally back across the field and do it again. But it really set, got your efficiency and economy of motion rolling. For And then we do thousands, 1200s, 1500 meters over the next three weeks of work. You do six to eight by thousand, and then we do five to seven by 1200, and then four to five by 1500. And we did them on grass and just really enjoyed that. It was tough for me because that worked an end of the spectrum I wasn't good at. But it was, I looked back at that and thought, I have changed as an athlete over the course of this you know, four-week block, five-week block. And I really, really like that. You know what? I could see a, a workout like that actually being applicable to like with the Jacksonville coming up. I still do that progression. Just get comfortable running a little uncomfortably faster than race pace. I mean, if it's going to translate to what we do, jog across the infield, just 200s like you're working, but you're not causing a ton of damage. I like that. That's where OCR thousands or OCR 200s came from for me. That's where it first started. I did that workout, but I'd finish the rep and do 20 push-ups, and I'd start the rep with 20 squats. So I'd do oh. 20 squats, run 200, 20 push-ups, jog diagonal across the field, and then do it again. And that's that was the first compromise run workout I ever did. I took the workout I knew, and I paired it to that. We're going to get to compromise workouts too, folks. Don't you worry. Last piece of college that I loved and dreaded is you would look on the schedule, and sometimes next to a rep or a run, it would say... AFA YCG. So it might say four miles and then four miles AFA YCG. Or you might have 12 by 400 meters preceded by 1,000 meters AFA YCG. As fast as you can go. As fast as you can go. And you'd see that and your, your oh. butt would punch up. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> I wish I would have known about this before I pushed the throttle a little bit on yesterday's run. And you knew that you'd have a mini race on your hands. And they were always nerve wracking, but you get done with them and you were just a little bit different. Yep. First time I had that was a four mile run. It was two miles out, two miles as fast as you can go back. And that was the longest hard rep I'd ever done. And I was different afterwards. I realized I can push a little better, but there was one specific workout my my first year running indoor track at Whitewater. And we did a, a ladder, and I think I've talked about this one, but it was something like 1,8664444. Yep. Five-minute rest, 800 meters, AFA, YCG. Wow. And that, that, as fast as you can go, was looming the whole workout. So we finished it. We all walked around, shook out for five minutes, tightened our flats down tighter, and then I went out and I ran two flat. And I, my high school PR was 201, and I just realized... It was one of those days where I realized I am not what I used to be. And mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, coach, point me at a brick wall next time because I'm ready to go race. Yeah. Those workouts were effective. We always did those two back, back then. The other ones I want to touch on before we move on uh, were staples for us on the speed front, which I've talked about in uh, a few episodes, I think. And we did two workouts, um, three by three by 400 meters, which is 400 meters, 60 seconds rest. 400 meters, 60 seconds rest, 400 meters, three minutes rest times three. And the idea of that one was every, so there's three sets of three. The third rep in that first set, we went sub mile pace, two seconds per quarter sub mile pace, and then back to mile pace for the other rep. Then the middle rep of the second set was two seconds faster than mile pace. And then in the third set, we started with our first rep being two seconds faster than mile pace. And then you're forced to hang on to the last two reps of that third set. And that's where carnage happened. Most guys got pulled from that workout in the third set. Yeah, when you start to, to leak time. 
you get yanked as soon as you start to leak time. And the idea was to just put you out over your head and then let you hang on. And it was a fantastic workout. And we also did that same workout four by four by 200 meters, 200 meters, 30 seconds rest, 200 meters, 30 seconds rest. And then every fourth, we got two minutes rest. Same concept. And my coach played around with which one we dropped the hammer on progressively went earlier in the set each time. Um, Man, did that build some fitness, man. It just did. You felt so efficient from those things, yet so beat up. They're fantastic. So those are some I still revert back to, the four by, uh, three by three by 400s you'll see on my Strava once in a while. But those are mine. That's everything I got, pure speed. Yeah, I, I think that's enough. And it's a good reminder that there are workouts designed to change your fitness, and there are workouts designed to get you better at holding your hand down on the stove. It's true. That yeah. Race is going to burn. Let's feel that a time or two beforehand and put it into perspective for you. Yep. Let's transition to some longer stuff now. Let's talk uh, a little longer interval, more like 5K, 10K sprint to super distance type intervals that would be applicable for our sport. Um, what are some of your go-tos there? My all-time favorite workout is our thousand meter repeats. And I, I that's boring. Six to eight by thousand at 5k or eight to 10 by thousand at 10k. You know, it's, it's boring, but I found that I can't fake a thousand meters. I can fake 400. Sometimes I can fake 800. Mile is sometimes too damaging to me. It requires too much recovery afterwards. It beats me too much. But thousands I can do almost any type of year, but I can't fake it. Short recovery, 45 to 60 seconds rest. Never more than that. I almost never exceed 60 seconds rest on my thousands. And what kind of fitness are you trying to build when you do these thousands? This to me feels like stamina. This this crosses, this is bridging that gap between interval work and threshold work. It's given me a bit of both. I'm working on speed and efficiency, but I'm really working on being able to hold my form and my speed as I fatigue throughout. Okay. And if you run these as cut down reps, you're really getting tough. Okay. Um Go to mid distance. If we're talking about intervals, we're talking distance based intervals. We're going to get to time based intervals in a second. Um, I just prescribed, I had a round of athletes in about the same cycle of training and mile repeats were on for a Saturday workout in place of their long run. Simple five by a mile with three minutes, full rest in between letting the wheels go. Every single one of the, my athletes that did that was gave me the response like, holy shit. I had no idea how hard that workout is. On paper, three minutes rest, a mile repeat. These are guys that can run around or sub six. You know, um, they're not spending like 10 minutes on feet each mile rep. Blows you up every time. Nobody really understands the magic of mile repeats. So you get to rep three and you realize you have to finish that one and still have two more. Something about that is like breaching threshold and grit and stay power. And you're getting anaerobic towards the end. And as simple as it is and is like non-flashy mile repeats, get the job done. And my fitness always pops after mile repeats. And I could give myself less less rest. Of course I could. Something about that mile and three minutes rest times five. Wow. Do it. Rest time ends up being like hieroglyphics to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You look at it and you're not quite sure like how much rest should I take? Or why does this work out say 60 or three minutes? But when you run long enough, especially if you've run track, you start to read exactly what's happening when you see the recovery time. The intervals are great, but the recovery time tells you how bad this workout's going to be. And what you learn is that the longer your recovery interval is, the worse the workout's about to be. (laughs) Totally. It's it's something that you wouldn't think. No, but the shorter the rest period is, the more you know you're expected to stay under control during the rep. And the longer, if your coaches give, because coaches seem to be misers with recovery. They always give you the least amount of recovery possible. You're always thinking, we should use more. If they ever give you extra rest, you know that that's not a gift. That is a lifeline. You're not given the easy way out. That's actually like, you're going to need it. Yeah. And when you see high rest, that means, you know, like a three minute rest on a, on a mile repeat is enough where it's like, yep, I got to yep. go really hard and keep the quality really high. And it ends up turning into like one of those things where you get to like a half mile in of your last three reps and, and you're already on damage control a lot of times. And that is just some really, that's like that race or that workout builds racing fitness. That's what that workout does. I like to track my fitness and how my workouts are going by how long into the rep I start to struggle. 
And when I'm doing, let's say eight by thousand, the first couple fly by. And then it's like 200 meters to go. I'm like, all right, time to focus on your form. And then the next rep, it's 300 meters to go. And by the last one, I'm halfway to a third of the way through. And I'm already thinking, all right, bear down. Mm -hmm. You see long rest and you know that I'm going to get to a point in this workout where I start the rep already dreading the fact that I'm going to have to fight from the first step in. 100%. And that one, just thinking about three to five minute rest on intervals makes my stomach tighten a little bit knowing what it would mean. It's funny though, because I don't think, I don't think most folks look at it. They go, Oh, the easy way out. Like I'm getting 90 seconds rest on my quarter mile repeats, which I prescribe. And then in the sub notes, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of rest for a reason here. <laughs> yeah. Make them quick. And those workouts always end up stinging more. It is glorified like the short rest. And we promote it, of course, when threshold work and we're real building that stay power. But yeah, you see long recovery and you know, it's on. Yeah. What other mid-range uh, distance workout, distance-based reps do you have? Anything else that you really like to go to? There aren't actually a lot more that I go to for distance-based reps. But I, again, I do that progression. I like thousands leading to 1200s, leading to 1500s. If we start stretching out, I do like a 1,000-meter, 2,000-meter, 3,000-meter progression. I like running three by 3,000 or three by mm. two mile. That's long reps, but that builds staying power. Yeah. Um, I would say the other one that I just want to add distance-based or time-based into this Um and this is flirting with threshold work, which we're going to talk about next anyways, but um, the one, two, three style workouts, one minute, two minute, three minutes on with equal off and off meaning like a recovery, but sort of sustained pace. For example, one minute hard at six minute pace, one minute easy at eight minute pace. You're not completely letting go, but you're then two minutes hard at let's say six ten pace and then you're easy it's still like you're still running and you're easy yeah. and just going one two three two one and just pyramiding back and forth is enough to like get that mid-range speed just enough recovery to keep the reps quality um climbing up is always harder than climbing down because you're getting less rest going into a longer interval uh, it's a staple um for that mid-range speed um and you do sit in threshold a lot during that one anyways but uh, I really like that scheme. And I also like the uh, one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one ladder. Um, same concept, but I usually go half recovery on that. Um, but you could go equal recovery, which would lend itself to more speed. So those simple setups of those little ladders, um, really good for that. Well, here, I thought we were saving only the time-based reps for later. But if we're talking about them, that might be currently my most enjoyable interval work is the one, two, three, far lick. Yep. Of all, if I looked back on my training log, the one that I would have the most positive feel comments about would be the one, two, three, far lick. Love it. In fact, it's one that I will do before a race as my last quality workout because it feels, it leaves me feeling so positive and confident. Mm. And I, I prescribe it more often as one, two, three, one, one, two, two, three, three, one, one, two, two, three, three. But the way mm. I do it myself is one, two, three, two, one, two, three, two, one, two, three, two, one. Okay. Yeah. Where it's like that up and down ladder. I really like that style. It just keeps things mentally engaged for me. Love it. Maybe my favorite speed workout ever. You could play with them all. I mean, you, all these have variations. You could go three by three minutes, three by two minutes, three by one minute. You could do the opposite of that. You could play all around with it. Uh, but with those style of workouts, you are running for your recovery. And by recovery, yes. maybe your heart rate's hitting 170 at the peak and it's dropping down to 140. 45 on the recovery. Like that's what we're talking. Heart rate staying elevated on those. Um, yeah. Five minute or less stage yeah. or ladder based intervals for the sprint super distance. Um, we talk a lot of threshold work back and we talk threshold work and how important it is. I'm in a heavy, heavy threshold phase right now. Um, and I'll tell you what it's working. I'm not afraid to tell people that it's working and I'm getting some fitness and I'm not letting an injury slow me down when it comes to like Jacksonville and being nervous that I'm not ready because I'm going to show up as ready as I can be. And it's due to threshold work, threshold intervals, all that stuff. This is the stuff that's starting to really like excite me more than as I've grown as a coach and more into my career, I just keep realizing the importance of threshold work. It's like, you can't get away from it. And you realize big jumps in fitness happen from threshold work. It mm -hmm. just does. So I'm excited about threshold. What workouts are in your repertoire? When we talk threshold, stay power, all that. The ones I've done most often over the course of my life is the four to six mile tempo run. Straight up. Straight up. I generally, and I mean, Macaulay and I grew up doing this together. 
I I can't tell you how many summer nights and winter nights, fall nights, spring nights, any season, we head out the door from our house. And and in our city, it's very nice. All the major streets, we we have name streets running north-south, and we have number streets going east-west. Every half mile, there is a major name street. And then going east-west, as you travel up uh, the number streets, we live on 76th Street. That is a major set of stoplights. The next major set of stoplights is 84th, which is exactly a half mile. So every half mile, there's stoplights in both directions. So it makes runs very easy to calculate distance because every time you cross a major stoplight, you've gone another half mile. Oh, interesting. So we generally go out a mile and a half, one direction, and then we have a half mile up in slight like transition. So we run easy for a mile and a half, transition from easy to getting close to threshold on the way up this, and then we turn right and we just run straight until our pace starts to break. And it's a hard cut down. So let's say the first two mile, the first mile and a half is eight minute pace. We transition to six minute pace by the end of the next half mile, we turn right and we go 550, 545. 540, 5.30, 5.30, and then you feel when it's starting to end, and then we call it. Early in the season, you make it four miles. By the end of the season, you're making it six miles. But that's probably the type I've done the most in my life. I like to keep my threshold runs or my tempo runs. I intermix the two, honestly, because we talk about like threshold. Like Sometimes we're breaching threshold. We're working a little harder, and then I like to call it tempo. I like to call it tempo because then it's a little more, it's a little more vague, a little less describable. Mm-hmm. I call it a little bit below race effort and it's, and it works, but I like to do my warm up and get in. I start at four or five mile tempos with the aim to cut down slightly, maybe go from like a five, four, five, 45 to five forty two to five thirty nine and cut them down like tightly incrementally. Uh, but those are staples every three or so weeks, that type of tempo, the, the standard threshold. I play around with a number of versions of this. I know you know this. I've been doing it lately. Again, you look at my Strava, you can steal my shit. I don't care. Like, that's what we're here for. Um, And as we've alluded to at the Running Public Training Plan, like, really, the magic is in how you put the ingredients together, not the ingredients themselves. So, like, um, I'm not afraid to give this stuff away. But, like, uh, a workout I stole from Carrie Tollefson. We did this a year ago um, on this podcast, almost a year ago, we did our first training Tuesday with Olympian Carrie Tollison. Mm-hmm. And she told us one of her favorite workouts was the 15, 10, 10, five long run. Um, <clears throat> and that's 15 minutes, hard threshold, five minutes, recovery jog or easy, but keeping the throttle down still 10 minutes, hard, five, easy, 10 minutes, hard, five, easy, five minutes, hard. That's do the math, 40 minutes of hard work. Talk about threshold, right? Yeah. Um, been doing the 15, 10, 10, five. I've done it like five times now since we chatted with her and I haven't been running a whole lot. It was a five month break in there. So I've done it twice now since coming back. It's fantastic. Uh, another ladder simply going 10, eight, six, four, two with half recovery in between, um, climbing down, keeps you in that threshold. Uh, did a broken tempo this weekend, three miles hard, one mile easy, two miles hard, one mile easy, one mile, pretty much all out. All those styles of broken descending ladder is threshold, stay power, and then finishing those off with like a three to four mile extended cool down at like a decent rate of work just builds grit, man. And so all of those descending ladder threshold or tempo runs are fantastic. I lump them all together. Yeah, they all accomplish the same goal and they're great. If there was one workout I prescribed for myself and for others for a long workout days more than any other one. It's probably the most boring workout I have. It's the 5-5. Five, 5-5. Five. Five, five. I love it. And it it is so adaptable to every situation. So it's five minutes hard, five minutes easy. You pick the duration and you match the efforts to meet it. And it can be done any time in the season. And Or I, the other one, it's always you do that or you just do it song run. One song hard, one song easy for the duration. 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 120 minutes. Whatever your duration is, you just match the effort to it. And the key to this workout is you establish your easy pace right from the start or your easy heart rate. I prefer easy pace. So let's say I'm going to do it and I say I'm running 730 pace on every five minutes easy or every easy song, it's 730. My heart is whatever is my best pace I can keep while being able to still hit my easies. Yeah. I can't hit my easy. My next hard has to be slower. So that's the key to the workout. And that keeps you reined in. 
I think, no, it does. And I think the thing people miss with these ladders or these cut downs or any of these longer threshold intervals is the recovery ends up being just a, basically a walk or a shuffle, right? But that's not the purpose. For example, I'll just use this weekend's uh, workout for me. It was three miles hard. And I think I ran those three miles hard around like 540 pace. And then I recovered at seven minute pace, which isn't a true recovery. Like I want to go slower, but I'm the goal is to keep my heart rate up at some sort of level. And I think I kept it in the 140s for my recovery miles because it was spiked at the beginning, slowly comes down, and then it spikes again. That's what we're trying to do with threshold work. Then I went into my two miles hard, roughly around, I think, 520, high 529 pace. Again, seven minute pace for my mile easy. Then I finished with a hard mile. And then I went into my extended cool down, but like I wasn't dropping the throttle that much going from 540 pace to seven minute pace doesn't feel like enough when you're really sucking wind, but that's the point. So like on all these, I'm glad you brought that up Bracken. The point isn't to like for me to walk a mile at 12 minute pace in between it's to keep the heart rate where I want it at like a workable high end aerobic rate. So I'm glad you said that. Thank you. Yeah. This is one that when I'm lost, like, oh, I've got to get a long run in today, but I don't feel like I just throw on a playlist and I do a song run. Start with mm-hmm. an easy and then next song comes on and I work harder. Just hope like Anagata DeVita doesn't come on. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I have specific playlists I've made for these that I find every song I can that's longer that's right around that five minute range. Mm. When I first started coaching new athletes, new runners in particular, I always prescribe the iPod run or whatever you want to call it. It used to be iPods now, who knows what it is, but the song yeah. run. Yeah, because yeah. it's engaging and it's kind of fun. Yeah, and then you can play around with it. So I have a pod, I have a playlist that uh, it, it alternates between songs that you want to run to and songs that it's like, all right, get yourself back together. What are some of the, what are some of these songs, Bracken? What are some, do you, can you have well, the top line? Anyone who knows me knows that I run to a lot of Rick Ross. <laughs> you do like Rick Ross. It just, it's always thumping beats and loud, constant, aggressive lyrics. And it just, it just works for me. So I'll alternate between, let's say, uh, Rick Ross and Coldplay back and forth for 70 minutes. I like it. I'd go like, I don't do this run. What would I go? I would go like Incubus and Bon Iver. That's what I would do. <laughs> I have I have classic rock mixes where it's something like Eye of the Tiger or uh, Separate Ways and then come back down to, uh, I don't know, American Pie or something like that. <laughs> By the way, I am... Um... I just discovered this playlist on Pandora. We run Pandora at the gym all the time, the paid version. I know most people are on Spotify and I'm an archaic for running Pandora still, but there's a playlist on there called alternative endurance training on Pandora. And it is fantastic. Anybody looking for something when you got a quality day, alternative endurance training on Pandora is going to get the juices flowing. You have to check that out. We're eventually going to have to have some running public Spotify playlists for people to download. We might, we might. Um, let's move to the long run. So there's th- just so you know, audience, this is what I still want to cover. The long run, hill workouts, and OCR work. And we got about 15 minutes to do it. So we're going to cram it in the boot here. So let's do, let's do long runs, Bracken. Long run. Well, 5.5 five is a long run for me, or it's a moderate long run. But my most enjoyable long runs are 50-50 runs. Uh, bring it home, out and back, Kenyan cut run. down canyon run, whatever you want to call it, you get out and you run aerobic up to high-end aerobic, like aerobic threshold for the first half. And then you just let her rip, you bring it home. And it's very much done by feel. The days where you're really struggling, I might cut down five seconds per mile. Mm-hmm. The days when I'm feeling just bulletproof, I might just go rip it up and run one steady all-out effort all the way home, churning to, to, to get back to the house as fast as I can. But those second half progression cut down or open up and fly runs are my single most enjoyable long run style. I like that. Uh, by the way, we're giving you workouts. Like, yes, we go out and run long runs slow and easy. Sometimes we go out and run like these are the flashy ones. We're sharing our happy place or miserable place workouts that we just enjoy. Yeah. We're sharing the spice with you today. Oh yeah. Couple of my favorites. Uh, first of all, what you outlined, absolutely, and all of those out those threshold workouts I outlined are can are infused in long runs most of the time for me, anyways. So those all can be converted, like you said. Um, something that I really enjoy doing is a cut down into a hold. So like the first five miles might be seven minute pace, six fifty, six forty, six thirty, six twenty. Cut down and then hold a tempo effort for another five miles. So cut down for five miles hold for five miles, which is a lot of work. That is a tempo threshold run, second half. 
and then cool down an extra few miles to complete out your long run. Um, you could go six mile progression to a six mile hole, depending on how much or four to four, depending on how much volume you want. Um, so that's one, like I did two weeks ago or so. And I really, really enjoy that one. Um, very quality oriented. Another one where if you're looking for spice, uh, make the time go quicker. Um, <clears throat> you, I, I do the mile on mile off, um, long run, which is simply like, I will try to run a mile again. I, well, we're throwing out times now. I guess we're over that on this podcast, aren't we, Bracken? Yeah. But like, I might go run a mile in 545, 540, which is hard, but in control. And then I'll back off the next mile to seven minute pace. And then I'll just go back to 540 and then back to seven minute pace, back to 540. And I'll just alternate. And it ends up getting some really good quality work in there, but with not a ton of stress because you're giving yourself a whole mile at seven minute pace, which would be a recovery pace or a recovery run pace for me. So like um, whatever it is, picking those and just alternating back and forth, that's actually a workout Hunter McIntyre. Um, and I, when we were bullshitting one time, he talked to me about it was one of his staples on tempo, off tempo. Um, and God, I think I've repeated that for almost up to 20 miles at a time and it's been great. So that's another really good one I like, but again, not dialing back the throttle too much on that right. easy one. You're still keeping like a respectable pace. Yeah. I like that. And there are a lot of really good long run workouts out there. A lot of marathon specific, and I'm not listing them because I hate them. What do you mean? Like three by five K in the midst of a long run three by five K tempo in the midst of it. That's a classic marathon. I prescribe it all the time for marathoners. I hate that one. So we're talking about the ones we love today. I don't like that. Why do you hate it? I'm terrible at those. That uh, second and third 5K was my fatigue mounts. And I know I still have seven miles easy after this. It's just, if I want to get fit, I do that one. If I want to enjoy myself, I don't dial that one up. So yeah, there's a lot of workouts we're not going to talk about today, but it's because we're talking our favorite workouts, not the best workouts. Uh-huh. That's fair. Yeah. So what do we say? Cut downs, which are great. Out and backs, yeah. pound home. Five, five or mile, mile. Yeah, which isn't that far off, really. They're kind no, of not really. same thing. Um, any others? No, because I don't enjoy a lot of long runs. If I do, <laughs> it's one of those two. I'm either cutting down or I'm going song run. Uh-huh. Um, finally. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I, I do enjoy no hill left behind. No hill left behind. Either no downhill left behind or no uphill left behind. And that is you go out and you run a, a relatively hilly trail. And it doesn't work great on sustained long hills. This has got to be, uh, you know, up and down, up and down. And you run Midwest everything. Hills. These Midwest hills, they got so much of, yeah. Yeah. Rollers, not climbs. And you choose either uphills or downhills. And you work every single one of those with purpose. And the rest of everything else, flat. And then either the, the alternate, either the up or the down, is just easy and relaxed but you get work out of every time you go downhill that day. Every descent you take is with strong form, fast turnover, like your ideal form you'd use in a race. And then everything else is just nice and easy in between. I love that workout. Yeah. It gets, it gets you better at a skill and it also forces you to keep your form together on the easy. You don't just like sag off and start flopping when you're tired. You just slow down if you need to, but you keep your form good. Yep. Uh, onto the hills, Bracken. Hills. Onto the hills. We're going for vert. And by the way, everything we've been talking about can be translated to, you know, incline. Any yeah, of these workshops sure. you can do on your incline trainer or on I do five five all the time on the incline trainer. Yeah, exactly. So um just making sure people knew that. So what's your first go-to hill workout? First hill workout, first real hill workout I ever did was the one third, one half full workout. We started okay. at Whitewater. You, we took a hill, a relatively long for us hill. It was probably 200 meters, 300 meters. And you would run hard one third of the way up the hill and then jack down one half of the way, one half to two thirds down, and then all the way up down. So hard a third, jack down two thirds of the way up, down, all the way up, down. And then you repeat for however many rounds we we're trying to hit that day. And I translated that to uh, trail racing and OCR immediately. It was the first hill workout I do. I had a 600 meter hill and I would do 200 meters, 400 meters, 600 meters, and just rinse and repeat. It's really wow. no different than the one, two, three fart lake, except now it's on a hill. I like that. Did, how'd you feel after a workout like that? Oh, it's, it would smash me because the short reps you look forward to, but you were, your intent was to run them hard. You would match your effort to the best effort you could ma maintain for each segment of the hill. So you'd run hard the first third of it, and then really hard, but not quite as hard for the next two thirds. And then the, all the way up, you're just surviving to get to the rest. 
So it, it, it was always high intensity. I hope whoever's listening writes, is writing this stuff down. I hope you have had a notebook and paper out because if you really put together these workouts we're laying out for you, you're going to have a whole arsenal of things. And if not, you better go back and start writing some things down. Kirk, I haven't done this workout in a few years, but I always loved it. And post-Jacksonville, I'm going to bring this baby back. Yeah. Slow on the horizon, potentially. <laughs> not for me. No. <laughs> no, I don't race in California anymore. Yeah, you don't like racing out west, do you? It exposes me. <laughs> Something about it you've always hated. I, I'm not good out there. Um, <laughs> a staple, we, before we get into the more fancy stuff, um, one that I really enjoy, steep grade. 60 to 90 second hill is all you want or need. You don't need anything longer, which means everybody should have access to something like that. You're basically going hard, hard, hard up, and you're going to recover very easy on the way down, times eight. Then you're going to do the polar opposite. You're going to either power hike up or just an easy shuffle, just enough to get you to the top, which your heart rate's still going to spike a little bit. Then you turn around and you freaking let it rip, causing that eccentric load damage. So you do eight reps. Typically, I do eight reps. This workout always gets me feeling real good. Um, eight reps hard up where like at the top, you are inside out, reaching almost max heart rate. Like I want these really miserably hard. And then the nice thing is, is you almost hit threshold effort on the way up before your descents, because what does steep climbs do to you? Like they just get your heart rate up and then you turn around and rip. So you get eight quality reps up plus eight non-quality reps up. And then you get eight hard descents on the way down. Um, very basic, eight and eight. And you get a very well-rounded workout in. Again, a hill that takes you roughly 60 to 90. Mine takes me about 75 that I choose to use for this one. Simple, fantastic. You get both ends of the spectrum in and you get a shitload of climbing in and descending. So it's a good one. I like that one. Simple. Yeah. It works. So my next one is the absolute opposite side of the coin of that third half full or third two thirds full workout. It's the same workout, but like you said, downhill. So you start one third of the way up the hill and you get downhill as perfectly as you can and fast, you know, perfect form, the type, the form that you can really only sustain for a little bit. And then you move two thirds of the way up the hill and you try to match that as best as you can. And then all the way up and down, but it's always rest going up, but you start with your short really manageable to work on the skill of descending and then you extend it and then you extend it. Hmm, I like that. Why don't you tell them about shoots and ladders? Cause we can't go without talking about shoots and ladders. Shoots and ladders falls in both camps for me. Most dreaded and favorite workouts. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it on here. You take your best hill to replicate your race and you go up, down, up hard. And then you rest at the top for half duration of the reps, roughly. And then you go down, up, down hard rest again and you keep doing that so you're always descending when you're tired of climbing and you're climbing when you're beat up from descending and it it's teaches beautiful. you to shunt back and forth up the hill down the hill all day long i like reps in the three to five minute range for this one if, like, you, have uh, hill, if you have it yeah if you have it i mean like total like up down up takes three to five but yeah i guess if you got long mountain races it's going to be a lot longer than that staple it's fantastic and then let's just talk about incline trainer or treadmills um staples for me you could do one, two, three, four, five hundred foot get foot again with minimal jog recovery, flat or power hike recovery. I like to do these at fifteen to thirty percent. Five hundred foot again, three minutes rest or whatever it may be. Um, that one seems to go pretty well. Or just like hundred foot again on, hundred foot again off. Very yeah. simple, and they work. Yeah, any of our previous workouts, you just do them uphill. One, two, three is great. One on, hundred feet on, hundred feet off. Two hundred feet on, two off. Three on. I love the Indy five hundred. 500 feet as quickly as you can accumulate it, you recover and you do it again. And then I do a Mikhail Jurillo version of this where I put my treadmill up and I do 500 or 1,000 foot intervals. But prior to it, I do uh, deficit box, jump, box jumps. Hmm. So they're rather jumping up and stepping down. I start at the top and I go down and immediately spring up as fast and as explosively as I can. And I do, I start with doing 10 with both legs and then 10 left leg, 10 right leg, 10 both legs. Then I get back on the treadmill and go. So it's a compromised climb. Yeah. So you're beating your legs up like you just descended and then you've got to climb with it. And I alternate rounds between doing it backwards off the box and forwards off the box to really get every single muscle strand and fiber used to getting impacted and used to getting off the ground in a direction back up. I love that. 
The other thing I want to add, which I've been doing a little bit lately, is either starters or finishers too with with the incline work. Like I did 15, 10, 10, 5 long run on the treadmill at 15%. So I combined two like we're talking about, did it at 15, recovered at 1%. Then I finished with a thousand foot climb at 30%. Um, Going for those like, you know, threshold or just more stay power after the work's been done or preceding an interval workout, I'm going to gain a thousand feet hard, go into short spicy intervals gain another thousand feet at the end, make a sandwich out of threshold work and speed work. Like those styles are all fantastic too. I know you do those a ton. Yeah, I like those. Last one I'll say is probably the most creative workout I've ever named. I call it big hill workout. No, wow. I'll be called big stair if you do it on staircases. Ooh. But two minute running, two minute carry, four minute running, four minute carry, six minute run, six minute carry. And I mm. generally try to hit three rounds of that. And I try to stay high end aerobic the entire time. Under control, but grinding. Still going to wear on you. As the workout goes on, it gets harder and harder to keep <clears throat> running while staying aerobic. And then generally. Two, four, six. And then where do you go from there? Eat it. Two, four, six. Two, four, six. Two, four, six. Got it. Yeah. And that one. And then you can always increase intensities. You can do that as a cut down or you can do it as you know threshold with rest in between sets, but big hill or big stairs when I program a lot. I do that as a midweek skill day if you do it aerobic and I do it on the weekend with threshold interval style if you're going to do it hard. Cool. Let's talk um, two things, the OCR workouts and carry workouts. Okay. Like since we're talking carries, those should be thrown in there too. Favorite OCR compromised run skill-based workouts. What do you got? Talk ad nauseum about the OCR intervals. I'm not even going to address it because I don't like them. Oh, come on. I hate that workout. I <laughs> use it a lot, OCR 400s and OCR 200s, but they're miserable. I don't like them. My favorite ever is Bigfoot. Do you ever do Bigfoot, Kirk? Refresh me. All right. So the way it's scripted is you do 1,000-meter run, 500-meter carry. 500-meter run, 250-meter carry or drag. And it's either done interval style where you rest then, or it's done tempo style where you complete 30 burpees and keep rolling. And okay. it was the second OCR workout I ever created. And it was back when I was living in Walworth, Wisconsin. And I did this at Bigfoot Beach State Park because they had this lagoon in the middle of it that was long and narrow. And there was a bridge that was 250 meters away and a bridge that was uh, 500 meters away. And so I'd run down, cross the bridge and come back for a thousand meters, carry to the first bridge, run to the first bridge, carry out and back. And I would repeat that baby. Did it build good fitness? Did and I it's just whatever was about it. I enjoyed that workout even during the workout because the carries are so long that you feel freed when you run. And then I turn it into interval style where I rest after each one and I add in every picnic table. Okay. So there's always picnic tables all over, and I make myself hurdle or jump on top of and off of every picnic table throughout the reps, and I run it at race pace. And it is instantly turns into one of the nastiest interval sections I have. Okay. I was the meters of hitting like nine or 10 or 15 picnic tables. It just saps you every time you have to jump. And so I throw that one in when I want to be ready for a fast, intense race with transitions. If we all only had access to a perfect park, just like that with picnic tables placed. That was the, that was the Atkins style when he was training for his first uh, OCR race. He ran a park, jump picnic tables. Do you remember that? It is. It's amazing how taxing it is to climb up and over picnic tables trying to run 5K pace or 10K pace. Hard. And that heart rate spikes more than you think from doing something stupid like that. Yeah, Bigfoot. Bigfoot's my favorite OCR workout of all time. And that's two different workouts, the picnic table version and then the steady threshold version. I got two I want to talk about that we don't talk about on here um, that I really enjoy. Um, that I think are helpful. Now, we're not going to go down like OCR 400s, OCR 200s, thousands, mile repeats, OCR, all that stuff with broken up every two to 400 meters. You guys get that by now. These are two that, um, <clears throat> one, these are two that uh, we just don't talk about a lot. Um, one is very simple. It's like a threshold uh, OCR work where I have a hard time when my hands go over my head. Like for mm. some reason, hands over head when my heart rate's high is tough for me. Grip goes sooner. Heart rate seems to spike. I got to work on my breathing. A lot of people struggle with that, right? They can do all the grip work they want in the gym and and when it's under control. And then as soon as their heart rate's up and their hands are over their head, they're like, what happened to me, right? Yeah. So this workout, you pick a thousand meter loop. It's very simple. Thousand meter at tempo or threshold effort, 30 burpees, minute dead hang. You got to do this at a playground, obviously, or somewhere where you have, this is where I do it. Then you do another thousand meter loop, 25 burpees, 
50 second dead hang. 1,000 meter loop, 20 burpees, 40 second dead hang. And you count them both down to five and five, or to, yeah, 10 and 10. Um, that workout keeps the heart rate up a while. Every 1,000 meters, you're doing a bunch of burpees and you're dead hanging. Um, it just simulates the way it feels to get up on bars over your head when your heart rate's high, but then still have to get back into running. And that dead hang is just enough of a rest for your legs where you can get back into like threshold type effort work. Mm -hmm. um, so very simple. I don't know if you've ever done that one, but I actually really enjoy it. The burpees suck a lot. The dead hangs actually suck way more than you think with a high heart rate. And then the running, even at threshold effort, almost is your recovery. It's very bizarre, but it works well. Yancey has a similar one. Oh, he does? And you do 800 meter run, one minute dead hang, and you just keep going. It works. And I did that a couple of times to test it out. And I like a lot of Yancey's uh, compromise programming. And then I did one this morning that was similar to that. So uh, one of my favorite OCR workouts that's also terrible is that strung out backwards, upside down Fran, mm -hmm. where you do 1200 meter run, 800 meter run, 400 meter run. And then I add 200 at the end. So I have a run capper. And in between each rep, you do strength exercises and you do nine, nine after the 1200, 15, 15 after the 800, 21, 21 after the 400. So as your fatigue rises and your run shortens, your reps lengthen. So you really have to prioritize being able to work when you're super mm -hmm. anaerobic and high heart rate. But today's I did burpees and hand switches grip switches. Um, oh. Last time I did thrusters and um, pull-ups, but the burpees into grip switches, by the time I got to 15, I had to convince myself not to let go of the bar. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even that my grip was gone. It's just that it felt like it should be gone. I felt so terrible. And the 21 set was a mess. So you're right that that burpees after high intensity running into having to work with your hands above your head is really, really difficult, but it improves quickly. It does. Something about that just gets me. I think it gets a lot of people. So think about those two. And then the other one is kind of, you know, a workout you used to call KDE, KDE, I believe. It's a version of that, but it's a two-minute drag into a five-minute tempo. So it's seven minutes of work. And nothing for me builds better stay power. That workout, my fitness clicks and pops. So it's, we use, a, I use a battle rope with a 45-pound plate because it forces my grip to work versus a tire harness. I like that it forces my grip to work. Yeah. So pull a battle rope over grass or crummy or in the snow this time of year, two minutes hard. So your quads are gone. Your heart rate's already up to 160 plus at the end of that two minute drag. And then you have to go into race pace. Um, so a two minute drag, five minute race pace, and then only two minutes recovery on this one. Yep. Repeat that one three to five times. Um, starting to run hard on legs that are jelly from a hard drag um, just translates so well to the race course. So that is another one that I really enjoy and also sucks at the same time. So that's one. That's the one I was going to end with, that 252 yeah. style. With KDE and KDC. KDE is the one where you drag. E has nothing to do with dragging, but C is the carry. You do a heavy carry instead. But the thing I like about that drag or a sled push instead is that you can't dog it. If you dog it, you don't move. And so you have to put out solid force. Where on a carry, you can kind of dog it. But when you're dragging something, you have to move weight along Every step of those two minutes is work. So you get to that run really compromised. And Kirk, yep. I like the drag as well because there to me, I would rather run with tired legs than tired forearms. Mm. Something to me about a blown out arm ruins my running. So that's what that's the money for me of that workout. Mm. Yeah, that's what I've been doing for years. And there's like a 80% chance that'll be like my last Saturday workout before Jacksonville because okay. I just like it. I just like that one a week out because your legs will never feel as shitty as they do coming off of that two minute drag into a hard run. You're going to know what it feels like the next week. So I like that one. And then the last one, we're a little over my set time cap, uh, is carry workouts. Anything else we want to add to the carry workouts for folks? Oh, you know what? I actually don't do as many steady carry workouts as I used to. I used to do more of that. And when it's mountain season, I'll do the Mount Majestic where you go run up and down two or three times, carry up and down once. But I've been going back to high intensity based carries where I'm running hard and carrying hard. And I found that bang for my buck, it gets me tired so fast that all my carries are done in a race type of depletion. And so I actually improve my race specific skill rather than getting good at it in a vacuum. And then when I get to a race, it's like, well, in practice, I could keep my arms up and carry both but in race, I'm so blown out, I can't even use the technique that I used in a race. So terrible yeah. two mile, I've been using and I've been really seeing some progression from that. 400 meter run, 400 meter carry times four. 
and I use right now I'm using double sandbag as one of them. Um, you can also use farmer's carry if you never have the need for a double sandbag. So I go sandbag, bucket, double sandbag, bucket. Okay. I got just, I'll list off three very quickly. 200 meter carry into an 800 meter interval. I love that. <laughs> Will that stay in or not? That is the question. 200, 200 meter carry all out into an 800 meter interval at a very high rate of work rinse and repeat um, with some rest in between. And then two, I just like very staple. If it is like a moderate aerobic effort, you just need to work on the skill work. 10 minutes run easy, five minutes carry hard back and forth. You go through that cycle. doesn't matter what type of terrain, whatever you're racing coming up, mm -hmm. 10 minutes carry, five minutes. And then another one where you do get some quality and it's just a very simple descending ladder. And it's a short workout, it's like 45 minutes. It's like 10 minutes run, five minutes carry, eight minutes run, four minutes carry, three, you know, six minute run, three minute carry. And every time you're going progressively balls out on that carry and then nice and steady on the run. But the, the carries get shorter in duration where you can really ramp up the intensity as you go and kind of get that stuff you were just talking about in. Mm -hmm. So very simple styles where you go back and forth, but they're very effective. Um, and as long as you keep the throttle down on some of those efforts, you're going to be ready for that feeling come race day. So like those are, those are, you know, and then we also do talk about, I guess, the dog loop on the, on the ski hill, which is basically carry up and down a ski hill or a hill with like 150 feet of vert once, because that's all the longer carries really are about 150 feet of vert in a race and then run up and down it a few times, rinse and repeat, simple, mm -hmm. simple concepts, but they all work. So that's probably the one I've done the most with you. Yeah, we do hit that one together. Yeah. I always feel good about it afterwards too. Like I always feel like it was beneficial. Can't, that's another workout you can't fake. You can't fake carrying something uphill and running in between. No, nope, can't fake it. What else, man? Did we miss anything? I'm sure we did. Oh, we missed it. Sure. We probably put out a total of, I don't know, 40 workouts today. <laughs> I have no idea. There's some good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. um, guys, I just came back from the t-shirt shop. Shirts are officially in print as of today, which this is a Monday. You're listening to this on a Tuesday, probably. Shirts are in print. They look sweet. Bracken and I just video called on them. Something else, too, which came up. This is a by the way, but I was talking to the nice gentleman who came and dropped off my whiskey for me last week. Um, and I said, you know what's odd, gentlemen, mystery gentlemen? I said, Bracken and I have not seen each other in person since we started this podcast. Oh, that's true. Bracken, since we started this podcast, we have not looked each other in the eye in person. And yet we've never been closer. Isn't that bizarre? Distance really does make the heart grow fonder, Bracken. It does. And the power of video calls. If someone had asked, like, how are you? When's the last time you and Kirk saw each other? I would think oh, probably just a day or two ago. <laughs> Which... In reality, we haven't been together since we shared a hotel at Granite Peak. It's been like a year and a half since I've seen you in the flesh, Bracken. That's sad. It is. What is going on? Soon. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. We're five weeks out. Um, and if you haven't checked out the running public training plan, guys, it is a steal. Um, people are hopping on board. People are going to be getting ahead of you in their training if you're not hopping on board. So um, think about it. Take a look. It's only 20 bucks a month. That's nothing. You can just buy two less lattes a week. There you go. Make it up for it. At some point, almost every workout we talked about today will be hit in that plan. Mm -hmm. There's some on that plan we haven't talked about, but yeah. That's a wrap. That's all I got, brother. You you got a workout to go get done. I'm done for the day. I'm coasting in all the way to Friday. You suck. Thanks for listening, guys. Mm -hmm.